you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. Okay, now we're live. All right, good morning, Daryl. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, my friend. How are you? That's good. That's good. It's good that we get to chat a little bit. Well, I, I was telling everybody this was uh, who they're asking me about you today. And my students, I'm like, who is he? And I said, this was my partner in phase A of Krav Maga uh, instructor training. When I, I, I was like, well, like when I got done with day one, I'm like, what what am I freaking doing? And uh and so uh, that's I told him, I said, we'll have some good stories about that back and forth so you guys can can get a little. But what I'll do is I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself, Daryl, and where your school is and where you live. You know, you're a dad also. I've always commented on your one, your daughter, man. She's got these <laughs> these steel blue eyes that are just unreal. You know what yeah, I mean? I've, I've watched her. I've watched her grow up now for years. And I'm like, man, her eyes are just like something else, man. So yeah, yeah, she's she yeah she's a beautiful little girl, and now is that your only child too? Is, or do you no, have? No, I have a, have a my son. He lives up in Fresno. He's uh, up in Fresno. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself where your uh, where your academy is, and we'll get going. So, go ahead, right Coach. On. All right. Well, my name is uh, Coach Daryl Johnson. I've been doing martial arts for about um, 33 years now. Uh, I have an academy in the San Diego area. Uh, just a little east of San Diego and uh, started Krav Maga in 2001 with my friend Mark Cox here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've been passionate about teaching others for 30 years and what trained in several disciplines and as a fitness instructor, really uh, blessed to make a positive impact in people's lives. Yeah. You've done this now. I, I've, I've watched you now over the years. So you're right. So we started 2001 together. This is when you and I went through seven days of straight hell in, <laughs> yes. in L.A. Um, it's funny because, you know, back in those days, I had a Jaguar back in those days. Right. And I remember we'd put in we'd leave early in the morning and we put in the address and she had this um, Australian or London accent, you know, that that she right. has. Right. And she would we'd pull into the parking lot at Worldwide and she'd be like, you have arrived at your destination. And I'm just like, oh, God. And uh, <laughs> I remember that every day we had to hear her say that. Right. So so we did start. You know, I'm not let's what I what I don't know is we were partners on all on in Kramagon level on level phase a that's mm-hmm. how we met each other because right. um bo what bo didn't go with me just yet i was here mm-hmm. by myself from my school and i think you were there by yourself from your yes. school and uh that's how you and i kind of just paired up you know we just mm-hmm. kind of synced um and worked out with each other on phase a and we were there seven seven days seven, seven straight days. days and a minimum of eight hours a day yeah um, of uh, just getting pounded, just getting our <laughs> ass whooped. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Do you remember that, Daryl? I mean, I remember leaving because, well, you stayed. I think because your your drive was so much. I think you stayed in a hotel, right? Yeah, I stayed in the hotel. Yeah, and so because you're driving back and forth, so I was able to get back on the 405 and go back home every day, right? And I remember, you know, the 405 is such a nightmare freeway, yeah. but I used to, I used to just enjoy so much to be in packed traffic just to, 
decompress from what just happened from the day. Right. And uh, I was like, I, I was like, man, because, you know, we I told everybody how we do. You know, I took the good and bad from our experiences there. And I'm not sure if seven days is something that was needed uh, um, or or not. You know, I think it was just, they needed it just so that we can get the shit beat out of us is what mm-hmm. is more likely what happened there. But, you know, because we were fighting every day. They had fresh people every day. Yeah. And, you know, we were pretty seasoned as far as martial arts go. But, you know, we we were we I guess we had to be broken down. I guess that was their key to to kind of absorb and, and live what Kramaga was. And and, uh, you know, so would I trade would I trade the experience? Absolutely not, because I, I don't think if I didn't have that experience, I wouldn't have had uh, being able to. Not, I don't want to say fix it, but uh, make it more, you know, attainable to be a good teacher. So when mm-hmm. we were going through that, I mean, do you feel that there was good teaching for us or, or what do you feel on that? What, what was, what was your takeaway from it? You know, from, from uh, coming from a traditional background type thing and to that. Yeah. My initial takeaway is, is kind of what you alluded to is it was a basically about physically breaking us down to, you know, bring us all down to the same level. Uh, I do remember distinctly, though, how no one really briefed me on what was going to happen. And mm-hmm. I, I remember in our group, I think about half the folks were students at their the main facility. So they already kind of knew what was going on. And I uh, I remember thinking, like, the last time I trained like this was when I was doing full contact fighting when I was younger. And it was, uh, man, it was it was tough. But I think there was an overemphasis on conditioning and, you know, I would have liked to do more of the nuances of uh, teaching since that's what we're there for. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that's what I I took away from that, that, you know, our certifications are three days. And, you know, there's some written tests because I think history is important and understanding what we're what we're getting into. And so. Ours is more three days. Not that it doesn't doesn't you know smoke you a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, nothing to the extent of what what you and I went through, and uh, you know with them. Because I did you go through all expert series too with worldwide or I you... went through at least one or two of the expert series, and those mm-hmm. those were I believe four day workshops. Right back then. Right. Yeah. Four days. Well, it, it's like the military, right? We went through phase A and I think that was a weeding out process to see, yeah. okay, which one of you guys are too much of a wuss to make <laughs> it through, you know, and trust me, I had to talk, I talk a big talk, but I have to talk myself into coming back every day. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, every day was like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Well, and, I remember I, the hotel I had was a, uh, was a little outside of town. It was on the second floor. And it was like a motel, so there was no elevator. <laughs> I remember <laughs> every morning after getting dressed and getting ready to head back to the academy, it was a very long walk from the second floor <laughs> down the <laughs> stairs to the car. <laughs> yeah, I could totally relate to that. I was because I told them, I, you know, I've told my students before, I said, hey, man, and, and where this was here. I believe that we were in June too. I think we were right in smack in the middle of, of, uh, of summer. It was um, August. It was August. Yeah. I, I remember cause it was hot as balls in there, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> and I remember them having a trash can and I remember us puking here, here and there going through the, I mean, the AC just didn't work all that well. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, what that was. And, but yeah, that experience, I, I, I wanted to go over that with, with people today because they had asked they you know i tell them about it i said you know it's like anything else i can tell you about it till you're blue in the face but until you experience it man it's mm-hmm. it's brutal it is a brutal <clears throat> a, a brutal thing and yeah you know well, then and, we had you know we had, and we had depending on which room we were in was depending yeah. on how well the airflow and the ac right. was working <laughs> <laughs> You know, or we were doing, uh, you know, I said there was a parking garage there, too. So they, you know, depending on the instructor, they had no problem taking us out. Right. And uh, 
and and smoking us out in the in the parking lot either. So yeah, it was quite a thing. Now, what made you start? What made you gravitate towards that? What made you look at Krav Maga? Well, that's an interesting story. <clears throat> so earlier in the year, I was up in uh, uh, Aziz's school over in, I uh, don't remember where he is, you know, you know, uh, Bear Boars. And um, I was doing a Melody Schumann workshop for Little Ninjas. Uh, and, and at lunch, we were, we were all at a table, it's a bunch of us. <clears throat> and I was mentioning how I was, I really wanted to do a self-defense only program to go with the adult Taekwondo program I had. And one of the guys there, his name was John Gabriel. He's like, Oh man, this program I'm doing, it's amazing. I just started it. <clears throat> it's awesome. You got to do it. You know, I'm sure, you know, John, he's know, super yeah, high John. energy. Yeah, John and I are friends. So, yeah, yeah. So he's like, "All right, well, let me look into this." And I, um, you know, talked to the guys, went up to the academy a couple of times, and then um, said, "Yeah, that's, this sounds philosophy wise is what I'm looking for, and it's pure self defense. It's not a cultural or artistic expression." So that's what appealed to me, and um, you know, yeah, I, I like Krav Maga. Hmm. I did not know that's a, that's a story I didn't know about you where you did. I didn't know you were at Farforce's <laughs> school either. You know, I, I I'm a black belt of his in Hapkido. Oh. And I've known I've known Farforce forever and I don't know was I I usually go to his workshops. Gosh, I could have even been there for all I know. You Maybe. know what I mean? Uh uh cuz I I remember him holding those things there and then then so you saw John Gabriel and he's the one that kind of turned you on to it. Yeah. So for sure. So now how, I don't know if you know the story, but how I got into it and I tell everybody was I was actually so everybody knows that Darren Levine is a uh, is an attorney, a district attorney, mm -hmm. and he his specialty is, you know, the crimes against police officers. And so. His boss at the time. Who is a judge now. His kids were black belts of mine. Oh, that's how the that's how that happened. And then he he had asked me, he goes, hey, maybe you should look into this Krav Maga. And he's got some instructors. And Kevin was the one that was going to come here and teach Krav Maga. And that's how it started with me. So uh, Darren Levine actually came to my academy and invited me to a gun seminar. The gun seminar is the first thing that I had introduced to. And I remember leaving the gun. And going, wow, none of my students, none of my black belts that I have could do this, mm -hmm. could could defend themselves against a gun. Uh, it was just so fresh and new that, you know, traditional martial arts, did just, you, you know what I'm talking about. They did, yeah. we, we did stupid one steps and, you know, outside crossing kicks against knives and stupid. I, I mean, just even when we did it, we're like, we know this is stupid. Why do we yeah. do it? It's and, also you know, because we really didn't have an answer. Right. And then. Krav Maga had that answer. You know, I was, I was impressed that in a four hour time frame that you know, everybody in the room could basically defend themselves. If somebody pointed a gun in, in their face, you know, I was impressed with that. And that's how I, that's how I started Krav Maga in my school. But myself, I found quickly that, you know, Kevin couldn't be here as often. We didn't have a lot more instructors and it was evident if I was going to keep this program that I'm going to have to be uh, some of the face of it. And that's how I went into phase A. And, uh, uh, you know, I remember sitting in in an office with an interview and it was expensive. I tell everybody it was very mm -hmm. expensive to, for us mm -hmm. to. I mean, it was a six grand investment right out, uh, right <clears throat> up front. Oh, easily. And uh and then a, a monthly of four to $600, depending on your, where your location was. And I remember sitting there and then going through the interview process and uh, being told that your traditional martial arts really doesn't, doesn't serve you well at all. I was like, man, you know, that's my whole life's work and you're just freaking dogging it. You know, <clears throat> I remember it totally. I remember that, that, and I still went for it because, you know, I had to, at this point, I'm, I'm already in it now. So that's that's my that's my background of how I got into Krav, and then you and I we, we did spend a week there uh, together in Phase mm -hmm. A. I'm almost positive we did Phase B or C together. I I just remember us at least twice being partners for a seven day work week. Yeah, I just that remember sounds it. 
familiar, you know, and, you know, I, I ended up bringing Bo with me uh, at that time. And I think you got to meet him and stuff too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, he was super talented at, at the end, you, you know, you know how, how he goes, he's still a freaking beast, but he's got a big old school in Idaho. Now, you know, he had a oh, really huge school in Huntington beach for many years. That's where he opened up a major school. And then, you know, it got bought out by uh, the city. As a matter of fact, oh. uh, wanted to put a freeway right through his school. So <laughs> they bought him out and then he moved to Idaho and opened up a school and that, which is doing really well now too. So that's his, that's his little background. But so let's talk about a couple of things. Uh, coach, you know, you, you did a, um, you know, we've watched each other for over the years, you know, you've watched when I was at my heaviest and then I, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I went on a, on a health kick to, to get myself healthier and lose a lot of weight, you know, and, yep. you know, and we're talking about 110 pounds and, um, but you've done the same thing. You, you, you've had a, a major transformation. Let's talk about what in your head decided that and what in your head made, because you know, you were a thick boy yourself at one point, you know? Yeah. Well, um, growing up as a kid, I was overweight uh, and I was overweight by the standards of the time, which by today's standards would be very normal, but I was always picked on. And, and one of the things that was really catalytic for me to uh, get in shape is my senior high school. I just decided to, stop being fat. And then along that journey, I got into martial arts and that's helped. And then I got into full contact kickboxing, which obviously required you to be in good shape, <clears throat> but I was all, still struggle. Um, but what the catalyst was, it was about, I think it was about five years ago, almost exactly. I was teaching uh, an Israeli tactical gun defense uh, certification at my friend's school in Arizona. And, you know, as, as I'm teaching, you know, he's taking pictures and doing videos and, and, uh, you know, I knew I wasn't in peak shape, but <laughs> he sends me over the pictures uh, a couple days later and I'm looking through, I'm like, damn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am really, really chubby. And, uh, so I remember, um, this is right around 4th of July maybe last week of June, like, like it is right now. And I said, well, I have a business conference, um, August 5th in New York city. I'm going, I'm going to, uh, I think it was like two thirteen, two fourteen at the time, which I'm only five, nine. So that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty hefty. And said, I'm going to be below 200 pounds when I go to this workshop. And I had been a personal trainer for years. So I, I knew how to do this. It's just a matter of, you know, doing what you know. So I did. I got really focused. Uh, I went from 213 to 199. And then I just, the next step was from 199 to like, you know, 189 and 189. And I got down to like 175 pounds. And I'm bigger than that now. I'm actually going to do another uh, 28 day course July 5th uh, for a different target I have. <clears throat> but that picture, the pictures that I got from my buddy when, you know, the angle wasn't what I chose. It was just uh, <laughs> candid. That's a very uh, humbling thing. <laughs> yeah, cameras and, uh, and and scales are like, <laughs> you know, things that you just can't get away with. You know, it's funny on Facebook, you know, with the filters and everything else that mm -hmm. goes on and you can, you know, you can kind of create an angle and, and make yourself look really good. And, uh, you know, it, but in reality, you know, that mine came from, you know, I had blood clots and I got it actually from throwing a kick and you know, that it's, it swole my leg and it just never went away and they missed the clots. And I was actually shooting tests at the time, you know, uh, some TRT and then, then I'm told that, and I flew in an airplane and I was, it was just a, a, a disaster waiting to happen and why I'm, why I'm still here. I'm not really sure, but, um, it could have taken me. And then, I remember laying in the bed there too and, and, uh, saying, wow, something's going to have to change here. But, you know, you, I, I see you talk a lot coach about your, you know, mindset and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and you may had a mind shift change you mind, you know, mine actually took me six months. You know, my, I was in my own head after that blood clot thing 
that I would lay down at night and I would think, you know, I even had to have a CPAP machine and the whole mm. nine yards, right? Back at the time until I lost all that weight. And then I sound like a bear hibern you know, hibernating at night. And, and then, you know, every time something happened or my heart would feel, so I would feel like I'm going to have a stroke or, or mm. I'm going to, something's, something's wrong. And, you know, and of course I was put on blood thinners and, and I'm still not off those, unfortunately. They just not, you know, thanks to COVID, it hasn't helped out that you know, you know, COVID uh, does blood clots, but or yeah. more, more uh, the vaccines. Thank you very much. Uh, so, you know, it took me six months to get out of my own head. You know, let's talk about you. Yeah, you, know, you have some clients, so you've helped you've helped a lot of people do this kind of stuff. So, yeah. let's let's get some of your philosophies on mindset and. And how you change, how you flipped, and then how you help your your clients flip. Well, for me, and again, when I first got in shape as a teenager, and then when I, you know, when I get focused on a, a program now, it's really, it's a very instantaneous thing. Um, it's it's not like a, you know, I I get a book out and I map it. It's like it's like you know what, let's do it, and um, and I don't always succeed. And, and just like many people, I will sometimes attempt, I'll go great for a week or two, and then things happen and I get off track with the clients. And this is where the success really comes from is <clears throat> it's, it's two things. It's having skin in the game and, and having somebody hold you accountable. So when we do our courses, you know, they have to pay for that and, um, I have over the years, many, many times done free courses and they don't work. There's no skin in the game. There's no mental penalty if they don't follow through. And the most important part, whether it's free or paid, is to know that somebody else, some authority is going to be holding you accountable to follow your plan, stay on track, and someone to guide you when you make mistakes. But most importantly, it's knowing that that your actions and your decisions you will be held accountable for. And if you can do that, your chance of success goes up a thousand percent. I, I will tell you one thing that I tell all my clients ever since I was a trainer back in the nineties. And that is <clears throat> the single most determinate factor of whether a client will be successful with losing weight or bulking up is whether or not he or she tracks what they consume if they track what they eat and drink then that does two things it allows me as a trainer to see data and possibly make changes but more importantly the act of recording it whether you're writing it on a tablet or nowadays use the apps on the phone is you're now mindful of what you're actually consuming doesn't mean it won't be bad it just means that now you're aware of it. So, you, so the mindless grazing and the uh, the whole like I can't tell how many clients over the years I've had that are you know a hundred pounds overweight and like well I don't know I I eat pretty good. Well, the evidence would suggest that's not true. So <laughs> <laughs> if you write down or record or have or even if you just take pictures. Everything you eat or drink within a very short time, it'll become apparent how to solve whatever issue is facing you in this, you know, body composition realm. So, so you're, you, you're, I think you're absolutely right on that. <laughs> My biggest success came when, <clears throat> you know, when I went on the keto diet, you know, and put myself in ketosis and really <clears throat> cut out carbs. Mm -hmm. I used that Matt carb manager, right? And uh, for macros and stuff like that. And you're right. Sometimes it would when you when you start tracking yourself, I think that's a really good thing. I think it's good for training and it's good for dieting. But yeah. uh, the oh, I'm going to cough again. Hold on one second here. Let me let me. St <coughs> Man, I don't know what's up. Sorry about that. And I think that once I started tracking. You'll start making decisions. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting those macros in now. <laughs> it's not you worth know. it. <laughs> it's just not. I, I remember then and when I went on 75 hard, you know, the first or second time, I don't remember which one, but I would say, okay, I made a burpee list, right? And 
like I found out how many burpees, you know, how many calories you burn when you do a burpee. And then you start looking like, okay, you want a little bit of peanut butter. That's going to cost you 50 burpees. And you're like, no, hell no, 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 no. And then, cause I think, uh, tell me if you agree, you know, I think that one thing I learned when I was first starting it and, and I was like, you do, I've battled, I've battled weight my whole life. And even in school, you know, I wasn't the fat roly poly, but I was definitely uh, a bigger kid. And I lifted weights when I was a young, uh, a young mm-hmm. boy. Anyway, I was at 12, 13. I already had a weight set, you know, the plastic ones with the cement yeah. inside concrete, uh, you, you know, <laughs> right. And you had to, to make a dumbbell, you had to, you know, it took you 10 minutes to bake a dumbbell out of them. And, uh, but that's what I did. I, I did it ever since I was a young kid and I liked it. I've always liked pushing the iron. And then when I got out of high school, uh, I did powerlifting, which <clears throat> I don't know if you agree or not. I think that if I had to do it all over again, I would have, I wished I would have done more functional fitness type training Yeah, because it just serves such more purpose in a world of martial arts and fighting, you know, yeah. being able to pull yourself up, being able to have a core and being able to do all that. And, um, but you know, if I, you know, I remember us working out together. I mean, for a heavy set dude like myself, I could still get through workouts, you know, were you mm-hmm. the same way? Were you, what would be called a, yeah, athlete, uh, I a, was a heavy set athletic it's like where you're athletic but you're just hefty <laughs> right correct you know? so it's like you you can do the stuff you can perform obviously it'd be easier if you were lighter but you know you're not um sitting on the couch eating cheetos every day you know you're actually active and doing stuff which is definitely uh better than the alternative um but i, I would say that if if i as my experience as a trainer i think if people would do power lifting as opposed to the traditional bodybuilding workout, I think that's superior. But I also mm-hmm. agree with you that I think like a power lifting or a big lift style training supplemented with functional body weight, moving your body through space workouts would be a really, really good alternative for that. And then with martial arts or gymnastics or some kind of a full body discipline. Right. Which I think that, yeah, I think that's really good advice at that point too, because I think when I did powerlifting, there's two types of powerlifters, right? You guys got, got the powerlifter that's kind of on point for dinner and you got the other powerlifter that just likes, likes to just lift heavy stuff and, you know, eat whatever you want and make the bar bend when you squat. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of like what it was. And I think you're right about that. It, it's uh, powerlifting was a much better, uh, I mean, I, it, that's what got me strong for sure, uh, is, is the power lifting, but I'll tell you, I, I struggle today still being able to, well, I, you know, I'll do pull-ups with bands, but I, I'm still not somebody that can pull up myself on a pull-up bar and it drives me crazy. Um, you know, or even a rope, you know, <clears throat> there are certain things if, if, I would never ask my students to do something that I physically cannot do or have not done, you know? So if I wanted to be done in testing, it's something I had to be able to do and not, I'm not able to climb a rope and, and, and ring the bell at the very top. I've just, it's been something that drives me crazy that I just haven't been able to do yet. And so I think that, you know, I, I wished as a kid, we had a little bit more functional, Mm-hmm. fitness even as playing football in high school and stuff we didn't have functional fitness then either we you know we were we were pounding weights in that weight room and just yeah. getting big well that was that was what people did back then it was mm-hmm. you know the exercise i remember when i first started doing personal training um back in the 90s um uh, as, as a professional it was still like you know eat a crap load of carbs no fat just protein, like basically white rice and chicken breast mm-hmm. and do a crap load of cardio, keep yourself in that target heart. You know, this exercise science has evolved in the last 20, 25 years by orders of magnitude. And we just simply didn't have access to it. And of course, there was no internet. So you had to like listen to what a coach said. And that coach might have been trained in the 60s. Uh, now the information is so readily available 
Now it's a matter of sorting through it to determine what actually is good and what is BS. Mm -hmm. Well, you've had some really good, you, you were, uh, every once in a while you'll put out videos, you know, the coaches thought for the day or to that effect. And, you know, you lay it out there pretty much, you know, you talked, uh, you know, one, you, you know, it's, it's said quite often, but you, you know, you really hit the point home about you're not going to outwork your diet. No, you know what I mean? Very hard to do. And, uh, you know, I remember you having that one out there and, you know, it's the same thing for me. I mean, I can push a lot of weight. I pushed a lot of weight last night, but you know, if you, if you not in a calorie deficit of any, of some sort, then, uh, you know, well, I, I don't know. Have you found, I can sometimes be in a calorie deficit and the scale still not move. Yeah. Well, so as, when we do training, we, when people get involved with, they like, think about I'm building muscle, I'm losing fat, blah, blah, blah. Really, it's it, as trainers, we have what's called fat free mass and, you know, everything else. So, fat free mass is muscle, bone, water, et cetera. So, your, your fat free mass is going to fluctuate on it. Like, I know for myself, if I eat rice <clears throat> uh, in any significant amount, I don't know why this is with just rice. I will be three pounds heavier the next day, regardless of how much calories it contains. It just causes me to retain water for 24 to 36 hours. Okay. So have I, I haven't gained muscle. I haven't gained fat. And, and a lot of guys, uh, especially dudes like, Oh, I'm going to put on 15 pounds of muscle this month. I'm like, well, they, we know that's probably going to happen, but what they'll do is they'll, they'll give a, an uptake of glycogen, which brings water into the cells. So they'll gain 15 pounds, but it's not muscle. It's very, you know, uh, variable on what, you know, your water retention is and how much, you know, food still is in your system. And, you know, so there's a lot of variation and yeah, your caloric deficit may not affect the scale, but it will definitely, it's definitely necessary if you want to lose weight. Um, the only time I've ever been successful at eating like crap and not gaining weight <clears throat> is when I was training for kickboxing, <laughs> but I was, I was, you know, sparring bag work, jump and row, probably 15 hours a week, you know, yeah. but I would eat punch bowls full of cold cereal for, for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah, there's something to be said about, you know, getting after it and, and, and and burning calories. I'm not, you know, I hate getting on the treadmill and stuff like that. You know, I'd rather be hitting bags and getting yeah. after it that way. What's your thought on, on hit type training over cardio training? I think for the, for the everyday person, it's far, far superior uh, in a perfect program. You're going to have resistance. You'll have intervals and then you'll have long steady state. That's if you have time to train, but I think for the average American Westerner, uh, high intensity interval training is, is the, the best bang for the buck. Uh, if you could only do one thing, that's probably the thing you should do. Um, if you only do two things, you should do that and resistance training. And if you have the time, you should add in one or two days of long, slow distance training, treadmill, hiking, walking, whatever. Um, but the, 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 the culture has dictated that, you know, oh, you know, get on the treadmill and run for 45 minutes. Now, if you enjoy that, so to go back a little bit, people always ask me, what's the best workout? What's the best program? And, and the best program is the one that you're going to do. So right. if I design a program that has the perfect amount of resistance and conditioning and cardio, but you hate it, you won't do it. So if you like long walks at the beach, and sitting on an exercise bicycle, reading a magazine, and that's the only thing that you're going to do voluntarily. Well, you should do that. At least start with that. Yeah, I, I think that you yeah, super super good advice as far as as that goes. My son, you know, my, Daniel, my one son, he lost over 100 pounds. Also, unfortunately for my son, he had an eating disorder. I don't know if you've run across this for men, um, where my son would throw up. That's how he actually. That's how he actually lost his weight. Mm -hmm. and, and then when we found out about it, we, you know, I don't, yeah, I had a very hard time finding anything for men, uh, any kind of group, any kind of a, uh, a psychologist type thing that we can deal with, uh, guys and, uh, a bulimic type. Yeah. 
uh, eating disorder. And I, then I've come to find out, you know, it's a little bit more prevalent than what we think. It, it, it is. <clears throat> I actually, so when I was a teenager and I was 215 pounds at five foot seven, and I was not lifting weights, I went from, um, that to like 215. And then by the end of my senior year of high school, I was like 163. And I started, so I lost like 75 pounds of fat in a school year. And I was very excited about not being the fat kid anymore. And I remember distinctly, because I started tracking my food, I would go out with my friends and we would go, you know, eat pizza. I remember coming home and sitting on the edge of my bed and really having this powerful internal debate, like, wow, I really blew my calories today. I should really go throw up these calories. I mean, this was a, a real, mm. the only thing that kept me from do it was my absolute hatred of vomiting. <laughs> you know, that's it. Yeah. <clears throat> it wasn't, it wasn't even like a, a moral debate. It was like, well, I, I really, really, really hate throwing up more than I really, really hate overeating and blowing my, my, at the time I just counted calories. I didn't have any macro tracking. This is way back in the day, but so that's a real thing. And when you start making progress and you've worked so hard for it, you get in your head like, well, I, I done so well, I don't want to backslide, even though you and I know that if we have one day of bad eating, you're not going to undo six months of progress. Right. But that's true. you get afraid like, well, what if this leads me back down that path? What if I slide back to the guy I was before? So I completely understand how bulimia can be a thing with guys. Because anorexia is, you know, because I mean, obviously, we don't want to be skinny. We just don't want to be fat. You know, as dudes, yeah. we want to still have size. That's so, absolutely true. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> Luckily for my son, running is something, isn't it funny that he could barely run a mile in high school to now, you know, he's taken places in, in, in 5K, 10K type runs where he's in the top, you know, top 25 of runners. This is what, and see in his head, this is how I think he, he fights battles of wanting to throw up and stuff like that by, by running and he will not miss a day. You know, he'll run anywhere from three to seven miles daily because he feels that's what keeps him in shape and it keeps mm -hmm. him away. Now, this is another good thing. Cause I, I was looking forward to asking you about this because I see when you, when you shred down, right. And you got, you know, your six packs is popped and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And, uh, but do you still have body dysmorphia when you look at yourself in the mirror? Cause both my sons has lost over a hundred pounds. They're skinny as all get out, but they just look at the mirror and they're just like, man, I'm just fat. I just don't know what's up. You know, um, that's a good question, Mark. And no one's ever asked me that because like right now I'm probably 15 pounds over what I would consider being lean ish. Um, when I am in really good shape, I think I don't really see myself as being, oh, I got to really get down leaner, leaner, leaner. I think I'm pretty realistic. And I don't know why I have this uh, realistic, um, you know, estimation as opposed to being dysmorphic. Because that's a, that's a very common thing. I know a lot of dudes who look amazing. You know, but they're like, well, yeah, man, look at this fat, you know, as they, as they squeeze, you know, three eighths of an inch <laughs> yeah. between their fingers. <laughs> yeah. So for, for me, I think I have a pretty realistic estimation of where I am. Um, but I, I don't suffer from that, but it's, it is a real thing. Yeah, it's good. I thought I'd ask as a, as a, you know, as a coach in, in at least, you know, I think that was great that you had those same ideas that, you know, other men have to hear other men that say, Hey man, this is some real stuff that we yeah. battle with too. You know, it's not like something that, that is just, you know, you fluff off or it's, it's not. And, you know, and I think that that's what one thing I liked about Krav is because, you know, there's two things you get with Krav. If you're coming in there for self-defense, getting in shape is going to be part of your, your journey. Mm -hmm. If you're looking to come in to get in shape, learn how to defend yourself is going to yeah. be the benefit. And so, you know, it's, it, it, uh, well, I, you know, you come from a traditional background. I just, I think that's what I took from Krav the most was the intensity of workouts and, you know, how to get after it in class. And cause I don't remember us doing it that much in 
traditional martial arts. Yeah, not we're in the doing regular classes, generally. Yeah. You know, you know, forms and stuff like that, they're a different type of workout in, in, in what you do. You know, you get it when you're fighting and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, having the intensity and then putting uh, functional fitness inside your drills, man, I think that was a game changer for me when <clears throat> I saw that yeah. uh, in Krav. You know, those were the the drills and stuff you did and, and pressure testing and mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff is what, you know, what really kind of motivated me to to even change my traditional style, which I still teach. Sure. And so, yeah, it was, it was good for me to, you know, I was looking forward to seeing your, from your coach's perspective on, on if you've had anybody, uh, deal mentally, uh, you, you know, we hear it all the time with the females, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they have no problem letting you know how they feel mm-hmm. guys on the other hand are, are pretty kind of sunken in and, I think you're correct is that they just don't want to, uh, that was a, that was a great way to putting it. Right. We don't want to be skinny. We don't want to be fat. You know yeah, what I mean? We want to look tough, good, you know, you know, and so, you know, that's, that's definitely, that's definitely something that's true now. Well, so I'm 61 now. Right. And, and still, uh, it was funny. I was lifting last night. And for some reason, I just didn't feel as strong last night. You know, I'm a strong dude. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what is going on here? Like last night, you know, last night I was lifting. I got these new uh, kettlebells and they look like Thor's hammer. Oh, I saw the picture today. Yeah. Right. And I was like, do you know how heavy those 25 pounders feel? I mean, I'm like, what are you? Just a pussy. You cannot lift this. And I, I to do hammer curls with it, dude, was so hard and i'm like and i picked up the 25 pound dumbbells and it was easy and i'm just like it's got to be the angle of how yeah, i'm grabbing weight this weight you know the weight distribution and stuff like that but <laughs> you know and i was like i'm i'm literally done with workout going i could not lift 25 pounds today what is the deal and uh you know that messed with my head all the way to 115 in the morning mm-hmm. i was sitting there strategizing i said am i getting weak what is am i losing muscle and, you know, am I losing my strength? What's going on? And, uh, you know, if I couldn't get out of my own head and I don't know, as you've, ha- as you've gotten older as an older martial artist and an older, uh, you know, coach, as far as that mm-hmm. goes, has that changed or do you still like to lift heavy? Well, <clears throat> yes, I, I, I like to lift heavy. I don't do like, for example, I don't do flat bench at all anymore. And, and my shoulders are in pretty good shape for being a martial arts guy. But the minute I do like a flat bench, the next day it, it, I'm wrecked. Um, my biggest issue is I have a nerve damage in, in one of my hips. And I'm 95% sure it's from years of full power taekwondo kicking into the air. Into the air, uh, correct. Into the air. Uh, but that's what we did. So I can't even really do squats and deadlifts properly anymore. I can't kick high anymore. But I do like to lift heavy, and I think it's important um, because you you don't, especially as you, as you get older, you don't want to be skinny fat or you don't want to lose a muscle mass. And for me, my philosophy is is fitness is part of self defense. It's not a separate thing because you can be the most technically gifted person in the world, but if you can't fight for forty five seconds or a minute at one hundred percent that may not be good enough. So it's important to push yourself. It's important to stay strong. That solves a lot of problems that are associated with aging for men and women, you know, both, Mm -hmm. but obviously with men, it's more dramatic since, um, you know, if you were a big, strong guy in your thirties and then all of a sudden you're 55 or 60 and you're like, you have no shoulders and you, you, you feel like as a man, you feel like, well, I can't protect anybody. I don't, I'm not, the, the patriarch of my family, like I should be, you know, I, uh, and even as an instructor, you know, you and I both have students that can probably, probably handle us in, in conflict, but we're the, we're the dude, we're the, the head right. of our school. And we want to feel like if something happens, if, if, if a gang of ninjas burst through that front door of the Academy, <laughs> we want to be leading the charge to defend the population. And that's how we need to feel. That's just where we are as our position. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to push yourself with reason, you know, 
pay attention to your your body but yeah you have to you have to go hard and you have to challenge yourself yeah so you so tell me what you this is me now so i you know i've done you know i've done tongshido which is the chuck norris system that's my main system i've done that since 19 i got my black belt in 1987 right and then um i did with farbors i did you know i did it I did it until I got a black belt in this half keto with him. And then I did Krav Maga. And then once blood clots came along, you know, it was my warrior mentality was taken from me, man. I was like, I can't take any hits uh, mm -hmm. at all. Um, Daniela says she's liking this. This is a good friend of mine and her husband um, out there near the Philly area. Um, okay. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't really, uh, I, I lost my, my this warrior's mentality that i had because i can't take any i can't take really any pounding to the head when you're on blood thinners right right oh yeah you, and, get a hammer. you know i could never do what we did in, in our phase trainings where they were just you know we were uh, listen man we were beating on each other pretty good and yeah you came from a oh. full contact background and, you know a lot most of us got after it we didn't give a shit you know what i mean yeah. uh uh you know, bring it on. I mean, it sucked at the end of the day when you do it, you know what I mean? Get us when we're fresh, not at the end of the freaking day, but that would have been uh, nice. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, or have some 19 year old girl that wants to do cardio right after lunch. I don't know if you remember that, man. It's just oh, yes. like, dude, I would literally want to kill you. Um, <laughs> cause I don't know how old you were when you went through it. I was in my forties. Now I was 41 years old when we started yeah, that. I'm, yeah. I'm 10 years younger than you. 10 years. Yeah. So you, you, you know, it sucked. And so I thought that, uh, you know, I, then I, I get this, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu thing. Now I've done it for a long time, but not to a seriousness and watching you do your thing, Daryl, watch you helping coach other people and what you talk about. This is an, another section I want to talk about. So my love for jiu-jitsu came around because of the coach. Mm-hmm. We found somebody that has a mentality of Krav Maga okay. because he's a combat vet and he's an El Monte cop, right? And and he's a world champion and he had his own academy for years. And him and I really gelled his mindset of winning, his mindset of of his real mindset of what happens in real self-defense. I mean, all this came came about and I think that when you can gel with a coach, you know, when you can gel, you will excel is what I keep saying. And and mm -hmm. I think that, you know, um, what that looks like from you as from a coach's perspective, because, you know, I'm writing a book right now. As a matter of fact, Daniela, who was just saying hi, that it's it's I, I hired them as my coaches for writing books. You know, that's what they do. And, you know, this coach really took me to another level where I felt like I got my warrior spirit back. Cause I can get down and grapple now. Good. And it's awesome. And it's super humbling at the same time. Right. Cause you're <laughs> so just humbling. like, you're just getting, you know, I'm just getting freaking smoked on some days. Right. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, and you know, you come to the realization and I've tried to compete now, you know, even at 61, I want to, I want to test mm -hmm. it one time. I want to get on the competition one time. I say that, but if I lose, it'd be two times. I, I'll stop when I win. Oh yeah, um, you'll do it again. And, sure. and and if I win the first time, I'm good to go. If I don't, it'll be <laughs> another round. But I I see that uh, you know that gave my warrior mindset back because I feel like gosh, I can at least you know someone's trying to choke me out. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to choke them out. We're making contact, but it's not real head contact. And it's really taken me at at, at in my 60s now into a whole different thing. You know, I'm pretty much more flexible and, and, you know, every day I'm, I'm pushing muscles that aren't, aren't really being used. And I believe it's keeping me in, in a younger mindset, in a younger look and everything else. So it's been great. Now I want you to, I thought we would, you know, as we wrap up towards the end about what it's like to have a coach that can gel with you and how do you pick clients and how do you know, or how do you make yourself a coach that can gel? with somebody well that's a good question i have a, I have some funny jiu-jitsu stories you brought back to me i've been in a long time but for your question and this is something I, I remember when i first started teaching oh so when i first started teaching professionally i came out here in 93 <clears throat> i was teaching for another instructor 
and I was already a, I think a secondary black belt in Taekwondo. And um, it would, if somebody would stop training, I would be devastated. I'm like, I can't believe this person would quit. What did I do wrong? And, and then as you mature as a, as a, as a coach, you realize everybody has a lifespan in your tutelage. <clears throat> some will be 20 years, some will be two months and you want to serve the best you can. And, but obviously reflect on if you could have done something better. What I've learned and I'd say in the last 10 to 15 years um, is to be way more selective on who you work with. Again, you want to gel, you want to have the connection because I'm not the coach for everybody. Uh, and, and clients sometimes don't work with my style of delivery or my philosophy. Um, and, and that's really important because if you take on someone because, well, they need a coach or you just need the money, then you're going to be shoehorning this personality conflict and it's not going to be good for either one of you. And so it's, it's, it's when I choose clients for like one-on-one clients now, I'm really selective. I would only take somebody who like, I think, well, do I want to, would I want to go out and hang out with this person uh, for an afternoon without trading? Okay. If so, then that'll be a client that I'll take on. The the exception would be if someone's like going, Hey, my, my ex-boyfriend's coming after me and I need to learn self-defense right now. That would be a possible exception. Um, but clients need to do the same thing with their coach. So when you go into an academy or you find a trainer, you know, you think, think so, you know, would I be okay with spending time with this person if we weren't actually, you know, working, if it wasn't a paid, you know, um, you know, transaction, you know, do we have a philosophy on life that's roughly congruent and that'll go a long way into making that longevity, that lifespan of a client to be as long as possible, as fruitful as possible. So that's, that's you're you're right about having to, to what'd you say you will excel if you gel or yeah if you gel you will excel okay. that's for sure like that. you know what i mean and yeah. i and it's um you know as i get older too i i i can feel it right out of the gate you know if somebody i need well, i want coaching me you know i'm kind of a no-nonsense guy you know what i mean i'm i'm pretty much i just lay it out to the way it is it is what it is i don't have really have time to beat around the bush it is what it is and uh and stuff like that. But that, that was really good. What you just said a second ago though, Daryl about, I like the way you put, cause I was the same way you were as a younger man. And as a young studio owner, I used to take things so personally when somebody would quit, you know, and I like the way you put it, that everybody has, you've realized that everybody has a lifespan with you. And you're right. I've had people that have been here from day one. I still, you know, my main instructor here has been with me. He's 44 years old now, married with the children. He's been with me since he's 12. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just been with me on the journey the whole way through. And I have a unique thing that I've had a school now for 33 years, right? And um, so I have people here that have been with me since they're three all the way to the, and then they go to college. And sometimes I see them after college. Sometimes I don't, you know what I mean? And, um, and it's a weird thing too. You see your students grow up a little bit different, right? Yeah. I'm like, and wow, our philosophies, even politically and in life, are so much different now. It's like they sometimes some of them won't even talk to you. You know what I mean? And because <laughs> yeah, uh, I, you know, it's like wow. I, I said I spent my life teaching you uh, life lessons, and uh, you know, it goes so. I, and I think that that was a really good point that you made that not to take things as personal because everybody does have a lifespan and mm-hmm. why they're with you in that lifespan, you got to be the, the coach or the, or, you know, or the instructor that they need mm-hmm. for that lifetime. Because I, I don't know, I guess you get that resentment, right. As a young martial arts school owner, you know what I'm talking about yes. now. So as I would get resentment that you're just going to be not here, you know what I mean? You're just, how do you, how do you just up and go? Yeah. And when I was younger, I didn't even, I couldn't comprehend that somebody would ever stop doing martial arts because right. it was my passion, you know, but for yeah. some people it's a pastime. Correct. Yes. Yes. And I, and I had to get that, that martial arts, if I want you long for a longevity and martial arts has to be part of your life for us, it is our life. You know what I mean? So I think that's a, 
a really good, you know, a good way of looking at that. I re, you know, and that's just not for martial arts, right? That's just for coaching in general mm -hmm. uh, or for being a boss in general. I, you know, mm -hmm. I even sometimes, you know, I have employees here now and I know there's a lifespan of them as much as I, you know, I wrestled the most with how can I make this academy where, you know how hard it is having an academy, you know, it's not, you know, unless you have a mega academy and even when you have one of those, having people that have major uh, pay that can keep them in your academy, you know, and I think that's the main thing. I think people, a lot of times, you know, I wrestle with that myself. I said, how can I give, you know, my main guy, how can I make it make a living for him yeah. where it's, this is where it's at. You know, because we only have a finite amount of stuff that we do and we have businesses. And, you know, I went about growing a organization on the outside also. And, you know, being a coach and stuff like myself and having people rally around me um, has been uh, has been awesome. You know, and it's allowed me to have students that have their own schools and those students are making a living or taking Krav to the next level or expanding their school uh, based on what we've done. And, you know, I wish that that's what we had when we were going through. They didn't really coach us that way. This no. is one thing that I wanted to change. I wanted to say, this is how you make money teaching martial arts. And, I, you know, it's a weird, I don't know if you've had it too, right? This, this just happened to me not too long ago in my office, right? This is somebody that was just going to school and all of a sudden they graduate with being able to do bookkeeping and that type of thing, right? And when their family's coming up the ranks, it's always like, what's the family discount? Where, what can I get? What can I get? And then when I need, uh, when I needed something, I'll say, what's going to cost me to have you help me with some, some booking? And she goes, oh, well, something like that. That's an $80 an hour deal and i'm like i shortchange we shortchange ourselves as life coaches man mm -hmm. and that was a major eye-opening to me like why do i feel bad charging people why do yeah, why do martial arts school owners have a stigma or a coach right your time at the gym, right? You, they know you coach. So how many times, how many people hit you up for advice at the gym? It when on a regular basis, that's correct. And, you know, and I don't mind giving people advice and doing and stuff here, but our time is just not as valuable. And it's, mm -hmm. it, that's a, that's a problem. You know what I mean? That And so, you know, I think just that one little sentence that you said today, I'll, 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 I'll remember that, that, they have a lifespan with you. And I think that's how it has to look because you're going to have students that are long, right? Mm -hmm. You, I, I don't know who it was, Dave Kovar or somebody had talked about when they first start with you, they're customers. Mm -hmm. It's not till they make a commitment with you. Do they become a student? You know what that's I mean? That's a very accurate statement, you know, and, and there, so there's a, there's a level of somebody that's your customer and you want to treat your customer with love and respect, but then, the, then you have a student. Now the relationship kind of changes, you know? And so I thought that, I thought you had some good stuff. Now, now are you still coaching? Do you still do your coaching, um, physical coaching? Are you, or do you pick and choose for that at that time now? Uh, I do take on clients occasionally, um, most of what I do now is I, I have an academy. I teach the advanced groups. I do a lot of seminars, a lot of workshops um, for like in-person clients outside of the students. I, I do take them, but there's a vetting process, which I think should work both ways. Um, mm -hmm. So when I have a good client who's going to benefit and appreciate what, what I do, and I look forward to seeing them grow and they're going to actually utilize the strategies, that's Awesome. I love that. So, but a lot of clients, um, you know, they, they, everybody wants stuff, but do they really want to invest in stuff? And that's really uh, <laughs> that's just, an important distinction. A lot of people want books and say they're going to read. So they have a library of self-help <laughs> books that's never been opened. 
45 so, on the show. That's, that's <laughs> that is true. I, uh, uh, I just bought a book the other day. It's, it's titled how not to give a F. And so, and talking about that same thing, cause I takes things to, to heart so much on, on, on certain things that it's, mm-hmm. uh, that it, that it, it's to the detriment of myself because, uh, so I saw also that you were doing some coaching. I, I've been, you know, I've been involved in, in coaching other martial arts schools for a long time on how to, how to make a living because in the mm-hmm. beginning, I almost closed my doors six months in and I found a mentor and a coach in Tennessee that took me under his wings and taught me how to run a business, a martial arts business. Yeah. And that's a big uh, distinction. Yes. And it's, it was eye opening that week of, of going to somebody that is making a major living out of a studio and, you know, somebody that owned the property that his studio was on, and the philosophies behind what that looked like. And that's probably what saved me in the pandemic. Cause I own the, I own the building that we have here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, I didn't have landlords that I had to contend with at that time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, uh, I saw that you were doing that for a while. Mm-hmm. How, how did, how, how did you enjoy doing that? How, how many people actually listened to your well, advice? Here- Here's the thing that I think you would agree with on this. The martial arts industry is a very odd world. Um, when you when you start working with entrepreneurs and business owners of uh, normal <laughs> businesses, they tend to be a lot more open-minded for uh, consultation, coaching, uh, ideas. Uh, martial arts guys tend to be very dogmatic and it's like, this is the way it's got to be. I don't want to try anything different. Fitness folks are slightly better, but you know, your typical guy who runs a bookkeeping business or a carpet cleaning business, or those folks are way more open-minded about how they can make changes in their business than your typical martial arts guy is. Mm-hmm. I, so it's, it's right, quite I, I ran into that same thing. I ran into the, you know, the, oh, well, we don't do things like that or the <laughs> ranking and not wanting to change curriculum. And I'm just like, bro, man, you've got to have other, you, you know, you have to have streams of income inside your business or you just not going to have a business. You know what yeah, I mean? It's not that so, other businesses just, they just do. They don't fight it. They're just like, oh, I can do this cool thing and help my customers and make more revenue. Oh, let me do that. <laughs> yeah that's true that's true so it was yeah that was that yeah that's so true so this was good man i wish uh you know it was really good catching up with you today yeah. for this hour you know it uh you know when i come down to uh, and i'll tell my students too that you know you're what we'll do uh after this too i think i think in your bio did you did you give me your school name and all that where you're at or not i believe yeah i believe so Okay, so on the website, because we'll we'll make the audio for this uh, by uh, end of day, there'll be an audio version of this video. So you'll be able to share YouTube or the Facebook Fantastic. video we did today. And and I have it as audio because that's really my love was when I first started podcasting, I did it because, uh, uh, you know, I like the audio portion where you can drive. I don't know if you yeah, listen to a lot of podcasts, but I do. Um yeah. You know, I, I like listening to podcasts. Yeah, when I, I do probably. a lot of video. Like, like I started doing, I've been doing videos since like 2008 or whatever, but it's like, I got really into it. Uh, well, really during the pandemic, I go, so I got, I'm going to invest in some equipment. I'm going to make sure look at the formatting and I consume almost all of my information on short form video. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't watch TV. I don't watch news. I don't, you know, uh, so I'm a big video fan, but I do like the podcast for driving. Right. I go to Arizona probably seven, eight times a year to go train at my our friend's school. And we, we we do business together. So yeah, podcasts are great for that. Yeah, that's yeah. So we'll have the audio version. You'll be able to kind of share this out with your friends. I think it's a really good candid talk today about a lot of things about uh, you know, physical fitness in in the industry. You, they got to meet you a little bit because I tell you about my partner. I said I had a partner named Daryl in, in Kramagaj training him, and I got the shit kicked out of us. Uh, uh, that was you rough. know on on a daily, and you know until we you know 
I remember those days where, you know, I don't know if you remember that, man. We're just like, I'm so over you hitting me, man. Yeah. We're going to freaking go. We're going to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Be, just, and, yeah. and I just so remember that so well. So bruising. Yes. Yes. Correct. So yeah, this was great. So I'm going to let you know when I'm up in San Diego, I'll let my students know yeah. too, if they want to get in, in a problem of God class, you, you know, just to step in and say, you're one of Mark Cox's students and yeah, they're always welcome. let them come and visit you. And uh, when next time I come into town, what we'll do is we'll, we'll go grab some coffee and we'll, uh, we'll hash out the old days when we survived <laughs> phase A, B and C of yeah. worldwide. Sounds you good, know. man. All right. It was really good catching up with you, man. My pleasure. All right. Fun. I'll see you soon. All right, Mark. Thanks so much. All right, sir. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at MarkCox.com. Till next time, keep it real.